For the past few months, Russia has been conducting an operation of military pressure on Ukraine. Delegations are underway between NATO nations and Russia upon fears an invasion of Ukraine will take place. As the world holds its breath, members of the Ukrainian-Canadian community express their thoughts on this ever-evolving situation. This interview was conducted on January 27, 2022. My name is Roman Yerenyuk, and I'm a retired professor from St. Andrews College at the University of Manitoba. I've been teaching courses on history, and especially church history, religious history, and I'm also interested in cultural history and also folklore and uh, folkloric studies. I became very interested in this whole issue of Ukraine uh, a number of years ago. I had a chance to be an election observer on two different occasions. I was there for the Orange Revolution, and then I was there also for the Revolution of Dignity. So I saw how Ukrainians try to resolve their internal problems and uh, problems with their political system. And I want to say that I was very pleased to see that resolutions were done in a, a very significant way. Ukraine became a democracy in 1990, an infant democracy. And it took a little while with the elections and uh, with organizing and redoing their, you know, the government um, from the previous uh, communist government, the, the Soviet Union. But Ukrainians voted overwhelming, I think it was 78%, to begin a process of having a new state uh, carved out of the old Soviet Union. Um, I want to remind everybody that Ukraine uh, was a member of the United Nations right from the very beginning of the United Nations. So it's kind of interesting. The Soviet Union wanted to have more votes at the UN, so they gave a number of republics a chance to be members of the United Nations. Ukraine has been building a civil society, and uh, many of my relatives have commented on this, and I've visited Ukraine some 22 times, so I've had a chance to talk with some of the professors and people in uh, political studies, etc. It's not been the best road, but it has been a significant road to, to make Ukraine uh, a society that would be somewhat akin to what we call in the West our civil societies here. Elections have been held with parties, many party systems, but at the same time, uh, there was always a, a, um, a winner that was accepted by everybody. There's no problem of rejecting anybody from the list of um, possible winners. Um, we are very, very happy that uh, the two um, glitches in our history since 1990, 32 years of of trying to build this democratic society. But at the same time, we came out of it pretty well. Um, but at the same time, I want to also emphasize that we had another issue and that was that um, Ukraine lost Crimea in 2014 and it also lost Donbass. Now, I don't know how anybody uh, listening to this program will look at uh, an intrusion. What if the Americans came up and wanted to take Prince Edward Island? or Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, um, it would be pretty, pretty drastic reaction, I think, on our part. And so 7% of the Ukrainian sovereign um, territory is occupied presently by, by, the, by the Russians. And so this becomes a, a strategy of, of how to deal with it. And Ukrainians have been fighting on the lines in Donbass 
Some 13,000 soldiers have lost their lives and um, they're being commemorated all over Ukraine as heroes of the country. Um, but, at the, but at the same time, uh, Ukraine cannot put down the Russian forces that are, are fighting um, and trying to create havoc in, in Ukraine. Three, four months ago, the Soviets, the uh, Russians, started to amass uh, some of their tanks and soldiers on the border of Ukraine, and especially the eastern flank, the northeast and the east. And this is, of course, which has led to you know, the crisis that we have uh, heard about in the last um, three, four weeks. Um, a very difficult understanding of why they would do it. But at the same time, we know that Russia is very down on the fact that they lost their um, major grouping of nations that supported um, the former Soviet Union, um, the Warsaw Pact. And so they're trying to, I think, renew it. And Ukraine would be a wonderful partner as such for them if they could get Ukraine in. Ukraine, basically, from the atmosphere that I've moved around in Ukraine, is not interested in moving back. Um, it's a step for, uh, backwards, not forward. And so, of course, their intention is, let's try to get into NATO. Let's try to work with the NATO nations. Let's try to be at least partners. Let's be in dialogue with NATO. If we can't get into NATO, then let's dialogue with NATO. Ukraine has always been a country that, uh, and a people that always look to Europe, Central Europe especially. And, and, and as a result of that, um, they have been uh, sort of um, not, not concerned with the North and the East, uh, like Russia is, but um, they're basically concerned of being part of a, a system of nations that make up um, Europe uh, within the context of our world society. Um, I have relatives in Central Europe, Ukraine, and also Western Ukraine. I don't have relatives in Eastern Ukraine, but everybody's very concerned. Everybody's ready to move or to make changes, etc. By the way, because of the skirmishes in Crimea and the taking of Crimea and Donbass, there are approximately 1.2 million displaced people from those territories that have actually come out west, especially western Ukraine, into the city of Kiev. And so we do have a, a, a population that has been displaced. And of course, they would like to return eventually. Um, so everybody probably knows somebody who's been displaced. And those displaced people tell their stories. And, you know, uh, just about everybody has had an opportunity to hear those stories. and. Um, try to um, get the chance to be included in their new societies, uh, different regions, different cities, um, different cultural traditions, etc. So this is a little bit of a start for you. Why do you think Russia, is, or at least Putin, uh, is doing this? I've seen a number of people talking online. Some people say um, Russia is very um, cautious because of the geography of the country. They only have one seaport that is open year-round, and they're, you know, part of that European plane. So it's easy to go, you could walk all the way across. Do you think that's why they, they act so aggressive sometimes? Well, by taking Crimea, of course, they've got that port now into southern part of Ukraine. Um, the Sea of Azov is being contested right now. 
Um, it's it's a major water waterworks um, the waterway, um, but you know, I, I think the the argument is much much more stronger that they're trying to build a pact of nations that would work with Russia. You know, Russia also wants to negate uh, Ukrainians as a separate ethnic group and nationality, a country. Uh, Putin's a big speech. Uh, was it about three, four months ago? Try to wipe out the fact that Ukrainians are 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 different, uh, are, are different peoples, and uh, of course we Ukrainians do not accept that. Um, and we 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 basically have a number of historians that have proven that Ukraine has a thousand-year history and legacy, different than Muscovite history um, and the history of the Russian people. So, um, but. But today, with you know the powers of um, of uh, the airplanes and some of the other ways of fighting a war, um, I, I think are much more important than you know the ships and the, and the boats, etc. Um, I think Putin is trying to sort of say, well, we're going to use sort of the army as sort of the uh, sounding troops uh, to 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 see whether we can perhaps get into Ukraine, etc. But, um, but you know, 100,000 troops, that's a major army. It's, now they're trying to get into Belarus. And with Belarus, they're doing some um, armament trainings. Um, we've got another problem there, that this is very close to what we would call the northern boundary with Ukraine. And so um, we're kind of, uh, in Canada especially, we're kind of uh, upset with this. But on the other hand, what can we do? Russia is Russia, and it continues to use its dominance in, in, its, in the territories that it can. And we know that Lukashenko and, um, and Putin work together very much to keep Lukashenko in power. So Lukashenko owes something to Putin, so he's allowing these games, military games, to be played out. A completely unfortunate situation. You know, we're, we're living in an age where there are superpowers that are always trying to make it to the top the number one position it, it's not good for the the rest of the world like ukraine just wants to you know live in peace and you know have their own democracy that's right you're absolutely right but at the same time you can be a superpower and let's say a little bit smaller superpower than the united states but you could still have your vested interest of having treaties and agreements with other countries um, you know, coalitions that could be formed uh, because, uh, you know, this sort of fear-mongering of war creates a very anxious situation for our international society, okay? If we have a breakout of a war here, what's going to happen in Africa in four or five years? What's going to happen in Asia, etc.? It could spread very, very, very strongly. Ukrainians in Canada are very, very proud of the fact that today many of the nations of Western Europe are assisting Ukraine in one way or another. Uh, we're, we, we as Canadians are very proud of the fact that we've had uh, a mission to train soldiers for the Ukrainians. And I understand that something like uh, 30,000 soldiers have been trained by our contingent. We have a small contingent of 200 soldiers doing the training in Western Ukraine. But uh, they have done uh, a, a very good job of giving them the latest technology as far as warfare is concerned. 
And these are the young boys and girls that are fighting the war right now in Donetsk. Do you feel there is a, a diplomatic way? Well, I think um, we've seen this over the last three, four weeks that diplomacy has been working in the sense that people at least are talking. They're getting around the table, they are chatting to each other, but what is important is that they're looking for some options, okay? Um, I know that Putin is really set on, you know, we've got to not allow um, the NATO to get into Ukraine, but at the same time, why not leave the option? Um, let's leave that NATO issue for the time being, let's leave it until sometime when uh, when it can happen. But remember that many of the other republics that used to be formerly of the Soviet Union are in NATO presently. So why can't Ukraine be in NATO? It should be a given practically that um, nations, sovereign nations have the chance and the opportunity to decide their fate of who they want to partner with and who which orbit they want to belong to. You were mentioning, you know, there's not much uh, we can do, but like as Canadians, like the general public, is there anything that we can do to help? Well, Canada has, has announced a couple of days ago, $120 million of assistance. And this is what I would call the soft assistance as such. Many Ukrainian Canadians will want, want to see Canada participate much more in preparing Ukraine for hopefully um, the war. Um, <clears throat> with munitions and other uh, capabilities that, uh, you know, that military armies have, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the United States has sent men military arms. We know that a number of states in Europe have sent military arms. So um, Ukraine is being stalked right now, but perhaps Canada could also participate somewhat in this. Um, I don't think it's the quantity that counts, but it's the idea of being part and parcel with the United States and other countries in providing those munitions that might be necessary in the future. So uh, uh, the world standing with Ukraine as um, an aggressor is on their uh, doorsteps. That's right. The big bear is there. And Ukraine has, has, has had a history of having aggressors on all sides, but this is the toughest one. In, in our Ukrainian history, um, the relationship with the, with the Moscow, um, Moscovy and Russia and um, the, the Russian Empire and then the Soviet Union has been a very, very difficult part of our history. We've had a lot of people, millions of people that have died. Our people in Canada and in Ukraine cannot forget 32-33 when Stalin imposed that that famine on Ukrainians and Ukrainians starved to death. We have some up to 7 million people that lost their lives. And you know, when you're a citizen of a country where, whose neighbor has infringed upon your sovereignty and has taken so many of your people, and even today people are dying, um, you question the legality of this. And also within the United Nations rights of sovereign nations to decide their own fate. Um, I don't think anybody has to, you know, tell Ukrainians that they should become part of the Soviet, uh, of the Russian empire. But at the same time, uh, it's important that some of those, you know, sovereign 
uh, statements and rules and regulations and codexes that exist for sovereign nations should be applied to Ukraine, notwithstanding that Russia has its own agenda um, to deal with this. In closing, I just want to say I've been following our young members of Ukrainian Canadian society in Winnipeg and across Canada, our young people, university students, university clubs, we have <clears throat> four, four major national youth groups in Canada. Our young people are very much following the, the affairs of what is happening. And they are a sort of a, an example for us. Um, I'm, I'm an older man <laughs> that, um, you know, the, the future generation is also uh, going to be standing up for Ukraine. Um, I've heard that in a number of schools in Winnipeg, um, social studies teachers have discussed the issue of what is happening in Eastern Europe. And many of the Ukrainian students have um, given sort of their eyewitness uh, stories. We have new immigrants that came to Canada in 2014, 2016 with children in these schools. And they're talking about um, the stories. And so social studies and history is becoming part and parcel of our youth programming. And I'm very, very proud that our youth are also very supportive of what is happening today in, in Eastern Europe and especially in Ukraine.